This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is brought to you by Swenson Real Estate, service before self. With over 30 years experience, they've seen it all. Contact Jeff and Lorena today at 406-253-0033. That's 406-253-0033. Swenson Real Estate, service before self. From here in the beautiful Flathead Valley, I'm Micah Drew, and this is the Flathead Beacon Podcast. It's a very commonly used phrase in the world of media that a picture is worth a thousand words. Photographs have an ability to capture stories, capture actions, capture emotions in a single frame. It's possible to take a quick glance at an expertly shot photo and get the essence of a 900-word story that accompanies it. This week's Flathead Beacon features a cover story about a photo collection by the late Ed Gilliland that will be preserved at the Northwest Montana History Museum as well as in an online archive. The collection has more than 10,000 photos and illuminates corners of Flathead Valley's history that are rarely seen by the public. There are photos from the town of Demersville in the late 1800s, to travelers through Glacier National Park at the turn of the 20th century, to parades and whitefish in the 1960s, documentation of the construction of the Hungry Horse Dam, and everything in between from a variety of photographers. To talk about the importance of photo collections and photography, I'm very excited to be joined today by Flathead Beacon Media Director, Hunter D'Antuano. Hunter joins the podcast to discuss his own role as the Beacon photographer and his relationship with documenting the world around him, as well as his favorite things about the photo collection he got to peruse this last week. If you haven't already, don't forget to grab the latest edition of the Flathead Beacon on newsstands throughout Northwest Montana today, and be sure to stay up to date on the latest news online every day at flatheadbeacon.com. And before we get to Hunter, a reminder that this podcast is made possible in part by the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, they get some extra perks, too. To find out more or join today, check out beaconeditorsclub.com. All right, let's say hello to this week's guest. I'm very excited to bring up Beacon Media Director and award-winning photographer Hunter D'Antuano, who I talked to on Tuesday afternoon. I'm joined today by award-winning photographer and our Flathead Beacon Media Director, Hunter D'Antuano. Thanks for coming up to the podcast studio. Uh, Thanks for having me, Micah. It's always cozy up here. It is. So people are most familiar with your work, obviously, seeing what comes out of the cover of the Beacon and all the photos accompanying the stories, but they probably don't know too much uh, about you. I don't think you've been on the pod for a very long time. So let's get into your own history a little bit. When did you uh, first pick up a camera and and discover photography as as something you were passionate about? I first picked up a camera around the time I was 12 or 13. It was actually a a little Kodak digital camera that was a gift for my sister, but I took more of an interest in it than her and uh, subsequently borrowed it frequently until one day I decided to uh, pinch my pennies and scrape together as much money as a 13-year-old can and uh, bought my own camera, old uh, Canon PowerShot, Um, but it had fabulous macro capabilities and I took a great series of nature photography all around my hometown, the Bitterroot in Hamilton, and uh, started selling those at my local uh, arts and farmer's market. 
had a great uh, monetary success there. Again, all relative <laughs> for a, a teenager. But um, but no, it, it certainly beat uh, uh, flipping uh, burgers at uh, at, a, at a fast food restaurant as a as a as a summer gig. And then uh, the next logical step was to see uh, where where I could go with my photography next. I was no mathematician, so you know perhaps writing was a more logical course. So then that just kind of springboarded into uh, the journalism school uh, in Missoula, building off of that and getting my photojournalism degree. So there's obviously a lot of avenues you can go down as a photographer, doing nature and landscapes, to shooting weddings, to doing product photography, to doing hard news photojournalism like like you do here. Is there a reason that you kind of decided to go down that avenue and go to journalism school and, and do news photography? It's an excellent question. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, you know, com- commercial photography, um, you know, uh, is always a service that's in demand. And um, some photographers can make the upper 10% anyway, can make a very comfortable living doing it. But there's something to be, but there's something to be said for um, photojournalism. And I love in that it's completely organic and you, you are, really investing yourself in knowing, or at least that's the goal is to get to know as many facets of the place you live as possible, because the camera is essentially a passport into other people's worlds. And by and large, I think people are fascinating. So what, what better mechanism than to intimately know a place than through the lens? (laughs) Uh, just like the stuff that we write in in the newspapers, that kind of becomes the de facto record for for whatever place a newspaper serves. Your photography here in the Flathead and wherever else you've worked is kind of the visual record of of the places you've lived. That kind of goes down in in history as an official record. What do you feel about taking on that role in the Flathead Valley and knowing that this is the stuff that people will look back on if they if they go to Google events or or anything that they're looking up, and it's your work that comes up as documenting that record. Well, it's uh, it's humbling, especially when you pile it up in that context. But it, but that it is that very thought that keeps me. I hope it keeps me accountable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To to uh, to 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 do good work and to and to be as accurate as 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 circumstances permit, and just to you know be present and have and have a have a ha- hopefully have at least one finger uh, on on the pulse of the community at any given time. Because it is, it, it is, it is humbling, and it, it is a responsibility in a way to kind of um, an archivist, you know, if you will. Speaking of of being an archivist and archives, our cover story for the Flathead Beacon this week was written by managing editor Myers Reese, and it talks about the late Ed Gilliland's photo collection, which is now being preserved at the Northwest Montana History Museum, and this is a photo collection with more than ten thousand, I think, photos covering centuries worth of activities and events and happenings in the Flathead Valley from from numerous photographers. And you, as our media director, were tasked with going through some of this collection and and seeing what it was about and, and choosing some photos. So what can you talk to us about this ginormous collection of photos from just a historical archival perspective and also what they show and what the quality is like? Well, it's a remarkable collection first and foremost. And, um, and it's just many props to everyone who took the time, you know, including Ed and those who knew him to preserve it. And looking through those photos, 
a lot of times, you know, historic photos take on kind of a sometimes a stale flavor, but this this collection is quite different. It is it is a dynamic, rich collection of there's there's a lot of portraits, but there's a lot of pictures of people just doing everyday things, which at the time you take the photograph, it's like, well, what's so remarkable about that? But then you let a hundred years go by and these routine things suddenly are imbued with new fascination. And I imagine the pictures that we're taking now that, you know, maybe I'm not so excited about at the <laughs> moment will perhaps, you know, be viewed with the same level of fascination down the road. But returning to the archive, there are thousands of pictures on there already mm-hmm. on uh, glacierparkphotography.com. And the quality, especially some, you can tell that some were taken uh, with large format four by five cameras. The there's just a certain depth to those photographs it allows you to you can almost like walk into them. And despite all the advances in technology that we have today, those large format cameras, I dare say their quality is better in some ways because it is the actual interpretation of the actual light being imbued either on a glass plate or on film. And so there's uh there's no there's there's not a there's there's not there's not such a limit to the resolution. As you blow it up, you're not gonna see a bunch of tiny dots or squares. <laughs> you're just gonna see, you know, perhaps some grain. But it I don't know, it's just like it seems like that perpetual enlargement is is wonderful. You obviously had to only select a couple photos to uh run with our pieces online and in the beacon. Why did you pick the ones you did? And are there some other photos in the collection that really popped out to you that you didn't get to pick? Oh, gosh, gosh, there were so many uh, when I was. Uh, and thank you, uh, Arnie, for being so patient with me as we were going through those. Um, I, it was impossible to to narrow it down. But I really when there, when you're shifting through so many photos and have a finite amount of time to get through it. I, you, again, photographs have this uh, have this ability to emotionally impact one. So I just kind of went with the ones that, for lack of a better word, stuck out at me mm-hmm. and narrowed it down from them and then somehow narrowed down the thousands of photos that are on there uh down to maybe 25 I, and, and to start my search I, sh- I kept it to the black and whites the the vintage stuff just to you know have that kind of time portal effect maximize that but even then it was just like ah okay let's in harney's like let's see if we can narrow it down to 10 just because it, it it does take a lot of time to pull things from an archive and we did we whittled it down to 10 we've got a wonderful one on the cover of of ed up on on St. Nick in in Glacier National Park uh, transporting. But there uh, there's another scene of a bunch of tourists uh, framed by the West Tunnel on going to the Sun Road with the Heaven's Peak. You can ascend, you could take the exact you could go up and take the exact same picture today right now. The only difference is maybe the clothes were a little more fashionable mm-hmm. back then. But again, it, photography is fascinating and not only documenting what it has changed, but it was re- what has remained the same through history because i don't know people are people at the end of the day and that equals uh you know you know endlessly fascinating you you did talk about the quality of of the cameras and the photos and obviously you kept your search to the black and white vintage ones which just have this cool aesthetic do you feel like you can capture the same kind of quality step into the photo uh, aspect when you're out there shooting on your updated 21st century 2021 brand new camera we just bought you i mean i i i hope so i mean that is my that's my goal i don't presume to be to be anywhere nearly as good 
as some of the greats like Ed or 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 uh, Marion Lacey or any of those other guys that had um, their things in there. Because, again, like back in the film days, they did have the advantage of with film, it's finite and you had to be very deliberate in your practice of photography. Sometimes I think digital, you can be a little cavalier and it's easy to, you got to fight that urge to just, you know, focus down like, okay, what's the picture? You, you, you almost have to pre-visualize a little bit and decide what, what needs to happen to get this uh, picture. And usually you can answer that question before you start taking pictures. Then it's just a matter of creating your own luck and preparing for that moment. You should not sell yourself short. We think you are a wonderful photographer here. You just came away with several first place awards at the Montana Newspaper Association for your photography. Um, one of them is a photo shoot I got to help out with. The best portrait was a shot from our fall best of preps issue, which is kind of a deviation from the traditional news and sport photography. If anyone has is familiar with our best of preps issues, it gives Hunter just some real latitude to go down the creative rabbit hole and see what we can do with some of these athletes. Talk about getting to do that in addition to to the news work that you do. Oh, yeah. Well, best of preps, as you mentioned, is a fantastic creative <laughs> outlet. I. I love portraiture and in in, in a similar way, like th- there's a certain um I guess with with that, I'm just trying to go for uh, unashamedly as much flair as I can with <laughs> with those photographs. But it's 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 kind of, it's a fun challenge because you are while you are bringing people into a structured environment where you have control over the mm-hmm. lights and the settings and things like that, it's still a challenge to be like, okay, we have 15 individuals, uh, 15 very talented young athletes, many of whom I haven't met before. So it's a matter of, but it's like, okay, let's see if we can hopefully capture, you know. Uh, something worthwhile of each one, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. So in that sense, as structured as it is, it also is just fast paced enough to kind of uh, keep things uh, flowing and moving. And in my mind, I, you should see my my idea pages on my on my on the desktop of my computer. Anytime I come up with something crazy and tantalizing, I throw it on that list. And, you know, it's kind of listed by order of how much work or how much of a mess it's going to make. <laughs> <laughs> we have been known to make uh, a mess or two during those photo shoots. But uh, I, I look forward to uh, whatever comes off of that idealist for the next preps uh, photo shoot, as I'm sure everybody else will as well. But thank you for coming in and, and chatting about your work and the phenomenal work in our cover story that we feature this week. Thanks for, for your perspective as a photographer. Yeah, thanks, Micah. We'll be right back. And before we get to this week's headlines, Dr. Mark Remington of Glacier Eye Clinic has a message from our sponsor this week. I've known Jeff for probably around 20 years. Very good friend of mine. He's helped me both personally and professionally in the real estate market. He is super ethical, super knowledgeable. He's prompt. He'll return your calls and he'll steer you in the right direction. As a friend, he's been service before self. Contact Swenson Real Estate at 406-253-0033 today. Thanks again to Hunter for joining the podcast today. His work can be found every week in the Flathead Beacon, as well as online and in our daily newsletter. The Ed Gilliland Collection can be viewed at the Northwest Montana History Museum in downtown Kalispell and online at glacierparkphotography.com. 
Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 6 p.m. Tuesday, April 22nd. Fifteen Republican governors, including Montana Governor Greg Gianforte, sent a letter to the U.S. Department of Commerce on Tuesday urging the U.S. Census Bureau to release redistricting data as soon as possible. The letter said that while governors recognized the difficulties associated with completing the census during the coronavirus pandemic, they added that further delays would hurt efforts to redraw congressional and legislative districts. Montana gained a new federal House seat following the statewide census totals, the first time that a state has lost a seat and then regained it. Montana originally lost its second House seat following the 1990 census, and now government officials will need to determine how to best split the state's population in half for redistricting. Up in Glacier National Park, visitation is hitting record numbers even though the summer tourist season is just kicking off. Officials with the park announced that more than 170,000 visitors entered the park in May, a 2% increase over the same month in 2019, and year-to-date visitation is nearly 300,000 visitors, a 17% increase from 2019. Glacier implemented a ticketed entry system on May 28th in an attempt to keep from closing down going to the Sun Road due to heavy traffic, and still nearly 30% more visitors have entered the park in the week since the reservation system started. Park officials say that without the reservation system, it's likely they would have had to close down the road at least seven times this season. As of Tuesday, going to the Sun Road is only open to cars to the Avalanche Campground. Down in the Valley, Glacier Park International Airport has also seen record-setting traffic as it prepares for the largest terminal expansion in its history. The airport is expecting nearly 50,000 more emplanements in 2021 than the airport saw during 2019, which was then a record year. Part of the surge is due to three new airlines announcing routes to Flathead County, including Sun Country Airlines, JetBlue, and Frontier Airlines. The $100 million terminal expansion will more than double the size of the airport, with the first phase of the project beginning at the end of June, with a final completion date of fall 2024. Here in Kalispell, after several hours of discussion at its early June meeting, the Flathead County Planning Board voted to table a proposed text amendment to the North Fork zoning regulations. County planning staff characterized the proposed amendment as an extensive rewrite, and while the vast majority of the public who submitted comment, as well as the North Fork Land Use Advisory Committee, were in favor of the rewrite, the planning board opted to table it after concerns that the language was too limiting and undefined in many places. And finally, a viral photo of a school bus stuck in the Flathead River reignited a controversy last week over what uses should be allowed on a riverfront camping site near the Blankenship Bridge. The privately owned school bus was midway through a river crossing to access a gravel bar near the confluence of the North Fork and Middle Forks of the Flathead River when the back end of the vehicle sank into the riverbed. The driver is not expected to face any significant criminal repercussions, but the incident re-sparked public backlash over management of the site that began last summer when overnight usage spiked. Officials with the Flathead National Forest are taking some steps this summer to mitigate the impact of tourists, including adding portable toilets once the water levels of the river come down. That's our show for this week, but before we go, a reminder that the new issue of Flathead Living Magazine is set to hit stands this week, so be sure to pick up a copy. And as always, stay up to date on the latest headlines online at flatheadbeacon.com. Thanks for listening.